When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick. How are you? Doing good, Donnie. What about you? Not too bad. One of the kids are sick, but the other one's healthy. So. That's not what you want. One, no, one, one of one so. is is not... No, you don't one want for, about One for two, I should say. Yeah, you don't want to... You don't want about 500 which wins, but uh, we progress, we move forward. It's that time of year. Um, we're getting closer to the All-Star break, but we still have some games of, of significance. And, you know, over the last couple of days since the last time we did a podcast, tough loss for Nashville. Which is what I and I said, that that was a game they needed to have. Yeah, and they got a point. Um, no, but, but they were still, up 3 nothing. They were up 3 nothing against a team that, you know, counting the three goals that Ottawa gave up early had allowed 10 consecutive goals. Remember, they had a 2 nothing lead against the Rangers on Saturday. It's 3 nothing. You don't hold on to the lead. You end up losing the game in overtime. So they only earn a point. And then you fast forward a couple of bad losses for wild card teams in the West last night in a game that, my God, if you needed sleep, it was like watching golf on ice. I think at one point, in like late in the second period, Anthony, the shots were like 12-8. Did you so ask like, at any point to move? It was ridiculous. And the, the Blue Jackets end up winning over the Blues in St. Louis, one nothing, And there were a combined 43 shots at the end of the day. So the Blues miss a golden opportunity to pass the Kings in the wild card race for the first wild card. And the Kraken miss an opportunity to kind of join the party as they get shut out in San Jose, 2 nothing. So, you know, I know it's it's only January and all that, but come on, Anthony. You fancy yourself a playoff team and you're Nashville, you're Seattle, you're St. Louis, and literally these are these are three teams that are battling for the, the, the two wild card spots. Kings are in free fall, and you lose at home to Columbus one nothing. You lose to Ottawa when you got a three nothing lead, and you lose in San Jose to the Sharks two nothing. And now you look at St. Louis as the second wild card, fifty four points. Nashville's got fifty four, but they've played fifty games. Seattle's played fifty, they've got fifty two points. So the Blues have the one game in hand and then the two games hand on the Kings. So I guess the Blues are okay. But boy, things would have looked a lot different for those teams if they just won winnable games. Yeah, it hasn't been a good look. And again, we talked about it on Monday, the possibility of a malaise for these teams um, going into a break when not a lot of people are currently playing. There's only a couple teams left in action, guys kind of limping into the break, just hoping to get to the break. and. For some of these teams, like you said, Don, these games matter. And for teams like the Kraken and the Predators that we want to say we think can stay in this uh, conversation here uh, for a Western Conference playoff team, these are games that you can't really afford to lose uh, or the Blues. And they did. Um, It kind of just shows you why we can't really pin down who the wild cards are going to be here because if they're going to let teams like Arizona and Calgary hang around, I don't see it happening, but maybe they could sneak in. You know, I love the story of Arizona. It would be great, but they've lost three straight. Yeah, um, everybody just... that's one through five in the wild card in the West is on some type of losing, we'll call it not necessarily a streak, but they've all lost their last game at least. 
Um, so they're all kind of slipping at the at the same time here, which has allowed Edmonton to get where they are, which has yeah. allowed Vegas and, and Vancouver to stay where they are, and why in the West on the central side, we haven't talked about anybody out of the top three other than Colorado, Dallas, and Winnipeg, who have been exchanging blows to get to where they are. Um, so it, there is a log jam in the West. I, I wouldn't say similarly to the East, because I think when you take a look at a team like the Maple Leafs and the Lightning, I think they're better than the Blues and Predators of the world that are kind of sniffing around the wild card in the West. Right. The Kings were that good. Now they're 2-5-3 and three in their last 10. They haven't played well in about two months like the Rangers haven't, but they've slid a lot more than the Rangers did, and they didn't get off to the hot, as hot a start as the Rangers did. So... Looking at this, uh, and, and this is another benchmark, we talk about Thanksgiving, we talk about the turn of the year, and then we talk about the All-Star break, you kind of start to look at not only who can make the playoffs, but who are contenders, and none of these teams, we're not going to have a St. Louis Blues situation like we did where there's no, going to no, be a no, run no, to the no, cup no. with the eighth seed in the West, I don't think. No, and, and, and there's three games tonight to close out uh, before the All-Star break. Uh, forget the, the Sharks and the Ducks, that's for the people that... That's for us. Fans of those teams. That's for us. That's but that's for us. But you know, like Senators, Red Wings, that's a big game. Red Wings could get two points here, and and how big that could be for them to kind of solidify that wild card spot. They are point back at Toronto for the first wild card, but after tonight's play, Toronto will have three games in hand on them. But what they need to look at is the Islanders. They've got five points on the Islanders. Both teams play forty nine games. Red Wings win. They can leapfrog over Toronto, put the Islanders six points out of a playoff spot. So the Islander fans should be keeping an eye on that game tonight at 7. And then it doesn't seem like a sexy matchup on, on TNT tonight at 7.30. But, but it's we're a just big game for both teams. Predators in Nashville. And we just gave you the outline of what the wild card looks like in the Western Conference. 54 points for the Kings. This will be their 48th game. Nashville playing their 51st game. They've got 54 points. So that's a game Nashville's got to get in regulation they can leapfrog into that first wild card spot and then just hope that teams behind them will take advantage of all the games in hand they have. Yeah, I mean, look, the Kings have been better on the road, and the Predators uh, did not pass their first test that I thought they needed to pass. Uh, they would take a split, I guess. Um, and for the Kings, they got they want to do what the Rangers did, which is win their last game before the break to go in with some confidence of, hey, this, we are the team that we were earlier in the year. We know how to win. We know that we could beat the lesser teams in the league because we are better than them. And kind of go in on a high note and see what you can adjust now with about a week's worth of time to kind of get into the lab and see what's wrong and what's been going wrong and, and what to fix. Um, and yeah, like you said, Don, Sharks and Ducks, if you can't fall asleep, um, if you're a hockey fan, that's the game to watch tonight. Um you know, but you know, if you're not a diehard, I, I don't see anybody turning on no. uh, ESPN Plus to go find that Duck Sharks game unless you're really unless you're really looking for some action tonight and you're betting the over or something like that. I don't I don't see that one yeah. being a highly uh, televised uh, event. Yeah, so we'll get into a lot of the All Star stuff on Friday's podcast, but little uh, predictions maybe maybe a little, maybe we'll have some predictions, have yes. some fun with that. But a, but a couple of things I want to throw at you before we go to the social media, please. And I know the Ranger fans are concerned about Carolina, and you should be. Uh, but word comes down that Frederick Anderson has been cleared to return to the ice. Now, they don't play again until February 6th, so that's still a week away. But there's the possibility that he is going to return sooner than later. That can solidify their goaltending situation big time. Uh, he was playing well before the blood clots on um, back on November 2nd. He was 4-1-0 with a 2.83 goal against average. His save percentage was low, but I think that was more of a reflection on how the team was playing at the time. But that's going to upgrade their goaltending, and uh, that could be a little scary coming out of the break. If he's ready, and with the Rangers having those two tough home games against the Avalanche and the Lightning, Carolina can be really 
you know, surpassing the Rangers if the Blue Shirts aren't careful. But we'll see if Anderson will be ready for that game on the 6th. Yeah, but you know what, Don? They've been surviving without good goaltending. And you'd think that an upgrade in is in play in Frederick Anderson whenever he does come back. Now it might take him some time. But they have had some bad goaltending, as you as you know. We've talked about it multiple times, where Ronta hasn't given them a good chance. Kuchetkov hasn't given them the best chance to win on any given night. You would think that Freddie Anderson's at least going to provide some type of stability. Where he may not be the best goalie in hockey, but he's going to give you maybe a two or three goal performance every night. That should be enough with the way that this defense plays uh, for them to, to win more games than not. And they are nipping at the Rangers' heels, whereas there was a large gap earlier in the season. So, only good news for them, whereas with the Rangers, you're not really getting anybody else back. Heedle's gone. Uh, that He's he's done for the year. Uh, this is kind of the roster until a trade is made, and of course, there's a lot of speculation about what's going on with them in the trade market, and that will start to come uh, into shape a lot more once teams start to figure out, are we in, are we out, are the Flames going to completely sell off? Are the Rangers going to move one of their young pieces that they don't think is part of the long-term future? Well, there's already conversation uh, among reports that maybe Kako has been floated out there. Not exactly... Yeah, Dreger had uh, that one, I believe. You're not exactly selling high, uh, but the idea is he's healthy, and he hasn't played poorly since he came back, has a couple of goals, and has kind of been involved there, although we've talked about it on this podcast, how he continues to be the scapegoat every time they need a goal. And he's been officially pulled off that top line. Wheeler is now back with Kreider and Zabanajad. But you know, now you're talk. We've we've had this conversation multiple times, Anthony, about if you're gonna if you're gonna break loose of Kako and Lafreniere. And I think Lafreniere has played to a level where you probably get more for him. But I think you want to make that work in the future. But with Kako, maybe it's time. So we'll have yeah. to see uh, because there's not a lot the Rangers can do. Um, to to make a splash, so you got to hope there's a team out there that thinks that th- that they're attracted to the the former second overall pick and think they can get something out of them the Rangers haven't been able to, and maybe give you a little bit more than you think. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. You had brought this to my attention to talk about today, and that of course is um, Jack Hughes getting closer and could be ready for Toronto. And I wonder how Devil fans feel about that. I mean, he hasn't played; he's been injured, and. Why would you be in such a rush to play in the All-Star game, right? I mean, wouldn't you just say, all right, take this time off, and you've been injury-prone, you've been banged up a lot in your career. Uh, If we've got any hope of doing anything here in the second half of the season, we're going to need you to be healthy. I would think, you know, you know we'll, we'll see you when we come back from the break. And that is what he's going to do. Matt Barzell is replacing him okay. in the skills comp. He's going to be there with his brother to be a co-captain. That's fine. Uh, but That's he's fine. not going to play. I didn't have, now look, as a Devil fan, maybe I would feel differently. But I didn't necessarily, if he's cleared, have a problem. I saw both sides of it, Don, and I agree with you. You know, he hasn't played. Why not just get the rest? But is there a better place to get reps against people that aren't your teammates where you're most likely not going to get hurt than an all-star game? I mean, checking optional is is putting it mildly. Um, it, he would be able to get his legs under him, put some shots on a goalie that's not his own, although he might have a better chance scoring against his own goalies. But I didn't necessarily see a problem with it, but I guess from, and I don't even know if this has anything to do with it, but I, could, I guess maybe from social media backlash, people thought, you know what, maybe it's best if you just lay low, come back when you're ready after the All-Star break. Yeah. And either way is fine, and him being there is not a big deal either. It'd be nice to see him on skates, I'm sure, for Devil fans. And he is, one of, quite frankly, one of the best players in hockey, so to have him at the All-Star game is good just for the sport in general, to market their stars, which is something that you and I have talked about a lot that's necessary. Um... I didn't necessarily have a problem with if he did play, but he's not going to, so it's a moot point at this point. Um, 
Let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, at Anthony Pusick, uh, hashtag game misconduct. AZ Ranger says, why is the NHL the only league that does the upper lower body nonsense? Is that the players union or all Bettman? It's completely annoying. No, it's just the way the teams handle it. I don't think there's an edict from Gary Bettman. I don't think the players association is involved. It's just these teams have all agreed. We don't want to centralize what's wrong with the player. Now, I do think some teams, it's obvious. Like, you know, when I do the injury reports, a lot of upper body, lower body. But you know, if somebody's got a broken finger and everybody knows it, they'll say broken finger. Or if you're out for the year, they'll tell you why. I do think it does get a little silly when everybody knows Philip Heedle's got a concussion that we have to continue to say upper body injury, especially now that he's done for the year. But I, I don't know what you do about it. Secrecy is king. And the feeling is, well, I don't want to let a team know that my star player's got a sore knee and then it becomes a target. But... After a while, Anthony, when everybody's reporting the specificity of the injury, um, why wouldn't you just tell everybody what it is? Yeah, I, I understand. It's not really that big of a deal to me. Um, look, I mean, how many times have we heard Yankee manager Aaron Boone say foot stuff when Aaron Judge was hurt, right? Like, or Luke Voigt's got a shoulder barking. I mean, the, the, even if even even specific, even sports that do it specifically don't exactly explain it fully. I mean, it could be an AC joint sprain, but we say it's a shoulder. He's got a knee. What do the football coaches say? He's got an well, ankle. All right, well, he's got two of them. What's wrong with the other one? I, but, you know, I, and I get it. You'd like it to be a little more specific, but upper body, lower body, for me as a fan, all I need to know is he's not playing. All right, then we move on. Well, see, that's the thing is, like, why do we need to know? Is he in or out? Now, I do that's think with the heedle stuff, I mean, I, I, when, it, when, it, when the kid's suffering and he may not play again, he's out for the year, that why not just tell the world exactly what the issue is? But, you know, he's not playing. He's out. Okay, he's out, so um, we'll get over it. You know, upper body, lower body. What, what are hands? Are hands lower body or upper body? If I, keep, but if I put them by my hips, they're below uh, my that's belt. Lower if body. I raise them up, that, they're upper. If it, yeah, it's lower body if it's below your hip. But, 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 but a hand, I think, is considered an upper body. It depends. Well, you know what? It depends on whether <laughs> you care or not, and I don't. So we're going to move on from that. Um, continuing with the... Uh, social media sean might sound ludicrous and improbable but is there any merit to including igor in a package to anaheim for gibson vetrano and a pick <sighs> roughly equal goaltending contract seven hundred sixty thousand dollars more address wing still three million or so to address depth likely unlikely your thoughts i'll let you start because you made the sigh well here's my question what do you believe? Here's the, this person clearly is of the belief that Igor Shosturkin is broken and cannot be fixed. Correct? I'm guessing. I, yeah, don't, so not, I guess so. If that's you're giving my up guess. on him, and if you're giving up on John Gibson, and you're bringing John Gibson, okay. who's a six point four million dollar cap hit through twenty seven. So you're not helping. You know, now you're basically saying John Gibson's my future. John Gibson's your future. And let me ask you something, Don. He's Thirty, by the if way. If you had to guess, who has a higher ceiling, John Gibson or Igor Shosturkin? No, Igor. I mean, we've seen John Gibson. He's a nice goaltender, and but he doesn't come cheap. And Igor Shosturkin still has more upside. Correct. So this correct. I believe so. Now I'm. I agree. He has not had a good. He has not had a good season. There's no question about that. I'm just trying to look up on uh, on Money Puck, which is where I get a lot of the advanced stats uh, for these things. I'm trying to find John Gibson does seemingly have better fancy stats at the moment than Igor Shosturkin, and he has played better this year. However, over time, I would think that. Igor Shosturkin has a better chance of taking this team farther in the playoffs when he's playing well than John Gibson. You're also betting on that this team is going to, at some point, start playing better. 
right? Because right. it's it, a lot of the problems are what's in front of you. Now, yes, are breakaways a problem for Igor? Absolutely. And somebody pointed it out on Twitter, and I don't know who, follow a lot of hockey accounts, that this actually wasn't Igor's worst month of his career. Last February was actually a bigger disaster because he had an 894 save percentage, which is pretty close to what he's at right now, but he looked like he couldn't stop a beach ball, which is exactly what we're dealing with at the present moment. So, does he bounce out of it? Maybe, maybe not. We won't know until the break. I don't see Igor. Right. Now, if this happens next year, in the last year of his contract, and he's still struggling, yeah, maybe they then think, all right, let's trade him for a team that needs a goalie and thinks that they can unlock whatever Benoit Lair could not re-unlock, which is unlikely. Uh, I don't think John... John Gibson doesn't do enough for me to say, oh my God, we absolutely have to do that. Right, and I think you can get Vetrano without having to give up Igor. Now you want to get a pick. Okay, I don't know why the Rangers would be in the market for a pick other than to move that pick to get better. I mean, they're a win-now team. I don't think Anaheim's giving you a first-round pick, which could very easily be the first overall pick in the draft. So it just doesn't work. Igor's two years younger. I think he overall is going to be the better goaltender. It's a million dollars more of a cap hit if I bring in Gibson. He's locked in. Igor's got another year left on his contract, but if Igor continues to trend this way, well, the Rangers aren't going to re-sign him, or they're going to get him at a cheaper rate than you currently have to give Gibson 6.4, because I I don't know if Igor's going to be in any kind of position to ask for a raise if things continue to go south when he becomes a free agent. I don't see the overall upgrade at all, so I would not do it. I don't. I know this is going to sound crazy to some Ranger fans. I don't see Goalie as the main target in the trade market for the New York Rangers. No, I, I, I don't. And, and wing, center, defense, I think far more important because once this team starts to play better in front of their goaltending, it's going to look better. It, Igor yes. does have to be better one-on-one when he's by himself, and that will happen every now and again, and he has not looked spectacular this year by any stretch of the imagination, not saying that he has. But to say that Igor is really the main focus here, I think is is, mislead, is misleading to some people. Joe DeMarco says, do you think the recent play of the Rangers will deter Chris Drury from making any big moves, or do you think he believes that their window will not be open much longer, so he has to go for it this year? Now, I don't think he has to go for it this year, per se, but he's definitely going to be in the the market to get better. Uh, I've said it before. When they gave, I thought it was very revealing that Peter Laviolette, who is not an old man by any stretch, uh, was given only a three-year contract. Because I think that if we look at this, we've got a three-year window here to make this work. So do I think that they're going to be all in to kill the next two years? No, but he's not going to let this sit. Now, if a deal's not there that makes sense, he won't just make it for the sake of making it. But he is going to make a deal. He's going to try to do something for sure. And their recent play, to me, is going to make him even more inclined to make a deal than to sit back and let it rest. Well, it's interesting that you say the three-year deal thing, Don, because you take a look at the end of those three years, you've already had to possibly pay Capo Caco, who might be gone, as we know. Blake Wheeler is an RFA. No, I'm sorry, not Blake Wheeler. Will Cooley. It would be help. It would help if I could read, right? Yes. Will Cooley is an RFA by then. Uh, Blake Wheeler would have been an unrestricted free agent by then. Uh, Pitlick, Brodzinski, VC, these are all guys. But you look, Barkley Goudreau will have only one year left on his deal. Artemi Panarin will be an unrestricted free agent by the end of that. But you still have Zbanejad, Kreider, Trocek, 
Fox. The whole defense is a free agent after three by the end of the next three years. Right. Igor's gone. Quick is That's gone. Igor point, might be gone. This is and, 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 and even, even if they weren't, I mean, you're going to start getting to the age where how much can you expect from Zabanajad, Kreider, and Panarin? Like, so, listen, it's it's not all about this year, but he's going to want to be able to make the playoffs. For no, sure. but, and this should be the core's la- this core's last coach slash chance to make this work. But everyone keeps saying big move, and I don't know where it's coming from. Where are you? How are you making? What is a big move? Because I was reading earlier this week that it's going to be like the 2021 trade deadline without Andrew Kopp because they don't have the money. Yes, maybe they go back and get Frank Vetrano. Elias Lindholm, that's an interesting one, but that's money. You'd have to think that something's coming off the books there somewhere in order to make that work. That would be interesting. That would be a move that I think benefits them and helps them down the road. But... I don't know where a big move could come unless, like the previous uh, AZ Rangers suggested, they're trading somebody like an Igor Shesterkin. Or they're moving on from Keandre Miller. Or yeah. they move on from Ryan well, Lindgren and save $3 million or get $3 million back. I, I don't I, know where that's coming from, Don. Right well, now, they have $5 million in cap space because they put heat on LTIR. Right, and, that, and that's, that's an interesting number because I know they've been there and done that. But it wasn't really that bad, and I think it can work this time around. Do you dip back in the Tarasenko water? He's had a good year in Ottawa. He's second on the team in plus-minus. He's like fourth on the team in points on a team that's got a lot of offense. He's at the final year of his deal, so he's a free agent at the end of the year. So it doesn't affect you long-term. Would you dive back in and try to bring in Vladimir Tarasenko to try again to work out that right-wing situation and try to maybe take it, catch some lightning in a bottle on the guy that's in his walk. Do you think Lindholm and Tarasenko is a is a realistic possibility for this team, money wise? Because he's a four point eight five million cap hit, Lindholm. Right. And I think that would be a big get if Calgary's on its way to it trading away their pieces. And then if you get him and Tarasenko. I think that solidifies your 12. I, I would love that if that's possible. I know you said, Don, they need a defenseman. I'm not saying Connor Mackey is the solution by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm relatively okay with the depth they have at defense in Hartford, where if they're going to try and mix and match that bottom pair, if Gustafson kind of tapers off here, I'll say that now, and then in a, in a playoff series, the Rangers just struggle defensively, and I look oh. like an idiot. But I, I would much rather help out the top 12 and if you can get both those guys, that would be yeah. a home run offseason. I, a trade deadline. I just no, don't know it if would they be. have. And if, and if I had to pick one or the other, I'd probably go Lindholm just because of the, the position. I agree. Um, but, and I love yeah. Tarasenko. He was great. But, but, I, but I, And I say that because I was just in Ottawa over the weekend, and they're raving about Tarasenko. And what is going to be a lost season for them, they're really impressed with how he's played. And I think they might be getting a better Tarasenko this time around than they did last year because I think the expectations would be a lot less – I, it, it would be interesting. And, and listen, that's the reason Ottawa gave him a one-year deal, is that they were hoping that they'd be able to move him at the deadline. So uh, they were either hoping that they catch lightning in a bottle and they'd be competing for a playoff spot, or be in the situation they're in now where they can move him uh, a lot easier. Jacob so, Chikrin do anything for you? I mean, I like him. What about I, for I the mean, Devils? Well, the, listen, I think he's more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy, but I think he's more well-rounded than anything that they have right now if Hamilton's not going to come back. Because I think that's an interesting one. And that's a guy with a modified no-trade, but that's a guy who you have not only this year but next year. And his cap hits 4.6. I don't, I don't know if the Devils want to dip that deep 
they have nine million in cap space right now, but that is with Hughes, Siegenthaler, and Smith on LTIR. I'm sorry, Dougie on LTIR with right. no, no Essex. So that's that's ten million right there. Um, the other guys are just on IR. Um, so they still count towards the cap. So it's not like they have a whole lot of cap to mess around and play with. No. But if they were to maybe do a trickrin deal and kind of improve their offense on the back end, something they're missing because Dougie Hamilton is out, that would interest me more than it would interest me for from a Rangers perspective. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, that, that Ottawa team and that Calgary team, there might be a lot of moving and shaking from Canada to the U.S. because of where those two teams are. And those are two teams I think that both uh, all the locals should kind of keep an eye on in terms of trying to improve. Now, mention the Devils. Bobby says, is it possible Fitz, Fitzgerald holds off on trading for a goaltender D-man before the deadline and tries again in the summer? Leverages firmly with the team, trading the assets and the core, all have their contracts in place with the exception of Mercer to go at it again next year listen they can afford to be patient i know it's going to be a huge disappointing season if they miss the playoffs considering what the expectations were i guess depends on where they think they are well i i think that if they're in striking distance they're going to try to make something happen right because they're going to want to feed off the momentum from last year but the trade deadline's still a little ways away and the devils right now sit six points back at detroit with a couple of games in hand so Devil fans should be watching that game tonight with Detroit, hoping they lose. And, you know, another game, that 50 games, you'll have three games in hand and, and still be within striking distance. But we're going to have to see how it plays itself out. This team has not gained any traction at all. Remember last year, they had that big, huge winning streak, and maybe it ended up being Fugazi at the end of the day. Let's see. I think there's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks before the deadline. It depends on how they play. If they're still sitting, Anthony, five, six points out of a playoff spot at the deadline, I, I don't I do not do a thing. I, and then, I, I don't know, Don, because th- this locker room starting to f- sound a little demoralized. Well, you're demoralized, but then what's going to demoralize them even more? Making a deal and it, and, you, and it doesn't work. I mean, it's been a slow burn for this team. They can make the excuses. All we, we had, Heeshear was out for a while. Hughes was out for a while. We lost our top defenseman for the year. Uh, we didn't have any goaltending. I mean, that's still going to be a problem, right? I mean, you're going to make a deal for – if you're going to make a big deal, it's got to be the right fit. And if it doesn't work, um, that could be just as demoralizing. I I, I got to see what it looks like. If you're six points back, that, that's that's a lot of ground to make up in a short period of time. you got to prove to me. That's what I would you – know, Fitzgerald just got a contract extension, so he's not nervous at all. So I'd go into that room when these guys come back from Toronto and say, guys, I'm not going to make a deal unless you prove to me you're worthy of making a deal. Let's go out there and let's play well. Let me take a look quickly at their um, schedule coming out of the break. Uh, We can dive into that just to see if they can go on some sort of a run here with everybody coming back healthy. Avs, Flames, Hurricanes, Kraken. Yeah, so listen, outside of that. Outside of the Flames game. So let's just uh, Predators Kings. So out of the six that they come out of the break with, there's three that you think yeah. that they should be able to win. And you want to throw the Kraken in there, that would be four, because I think the Kings, the way they're struggling, the Predators, the Kraken, um, Avalanche is a tough one right out of the gate. Hurricanes is a tough one with the fact that they've been playing so well. But again, you look at these teams and you think you're looking at it from a perspective of a team that's playing well, and the Devils at the present moment aren't playing very no, well. These but, are six yeah. games they could lose, too. Right, so just play. Show that there's work. Get, let's gain some ground. Let, let me see something. I'm going to still see a very average hockey team play. Do you need four wins or five wins? Do you need four? Go four and two? Or get yeah, points in four, four of those games? Two. Give me at least four and two. Okay. You lose to Colorado. But, you know, Carolina... 
in Carolina. That's tough. But, you know, Seattle at Nashville, Kings, that, that Flyer game is going to be the stadium series. So there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance around that. Um, we'll see. But um, should be fun. Um, let's do this again on Friday, shall we? I like that idea. Yes. Um, at Don LaGreca, at Anthony Pusick, hashtag game misconduct. We'll dive into the all-star stuff. Should be good. And uh, then we get back to normal on Monday. Hopefully we'll get EJ Raddick back into the fold, and we've got games on Monday. So we get right back to it. Should be a lot of fun. So enjoy the last bit of hockey today as you can. And maybe the Ducks-Sharks is worth watching just because it'll be the last game that you'll actually see that means anything until Monday. You're so. not saying up for it. What are we talking about? No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not I, might, I might be in bed before the face-off. That's but, sad. Uh, That's sad. We'll talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.